of our announcements and stuff, uh, let's get into our message for today. Uh, join me in Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2. We're going to be looking at the end of cha- uh, chapter 2. A uh, short story in verses 25 to 38. If uh, you want to click to that, turn to that. If you're using the Bible in the pew, it's on page 857. While you're turning there, let me start off um, by saying this. Uh, there's been three different stories this week that I've been kind of dwelling on, chewing on, meditating on, kind of have moved me and have been in my thoughts. Um, let me share what they are. First one, first story was hearing about um, the suicide of Stephen Twitch Boss. I'm sure many of you heard about this. He was a DJ, a dancer, an executive producer on The Ellen Show. Um, I honestly didn't know a whole lot about him, only that um, he seemed very funny and he seemed full of life and charisma in any of the clips that I saw. Um, but it, any story like his is incredibly tragic um, and only magnified when you see pictures of him with his wife and his three young kids. Um, I think their ages are like 13, 6, and 4, or something like that. And so just this tragic reality of somebody um, that's well-known that happened this week. The second story uh, that's been in my head is that Jeanette and I were able to see the musical Dear Evan Hansen on Friday night. Um, Though, Yes, you can win lottery tickets to the Broadway lottery. Um, It's a fictional story that addresses the themes of Boss's real-life story. And it's the first time I've ever actually seen this musical, and I thought it was very moving and profound in so many different ways. Uh, dealing with a lot of, I thought it captured super well the, the reality of loneliness, the difficulty of mental health, but also processing that, and processing that as individuals, but also processing it as families and communities, and keeping going. So it was, it was powerful, very, very moving. And so these Two stories, these two kind of complementary stories, these themes have been on my mind this week, the week that we are scheduled to talk about hope. We talked about peace in our Make Room series a couple weeks ago, and last week we talked about joy, and this week, the week of these stories, we're talking about hope. I mentioned there was three stories that have been in my mind all week, and there's the story about Boss, the story about Evan Hansen. And the third story is this story in Luke 2. Uh, It's a short story about a guy named Simeon. And I'm just being really honest here. I'm probably going to mess up and call him Simon at some point today. It's the same guy, So, uh, but Simeon. Uh, And I want to read you this story that we're going to go through today. Again, starting in verse 25. Now, there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon who was righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consultation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was on him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. Moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts. When the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him what the custom of the law required, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all nations, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. The child's father and mother marveled at what had been said about him. I want to, before we get into this, I just want to pray that God would encourage us through this story, through the other stories, and most importantly, in our stories. And so let's pray together. God, we thank you so much 
uh, that you are a God of hope, that you are a God of, um, of promise, that you are a God who are, is aware of us, that you are intimately aware of everything that we experience and are going through, that we have experienced, that we are going through, that we will have to go through. We thank you, God, that you watch over us, that you care about us, that you love us, that you want to be with us, that we're wanted by you, God. I pray that you would burn that into our minds this morning. Whatever anyone is carrying in with them, uh, whether it's super high highs or super low lows or anything in between, I pray that you would remind us of who you are this morning and that we would cling to you for hope. I pray that you would encourage hearts this morning. I pray that you would help us to be sensitive to others and encourage them as well. God, I thank you that you know, and I pray that you would speak. It's in your name we pray. Amen. So these three stories during a week we're supposed to talk about hope. And so what is hope? Uh, different people have various takes on defining what hope is. Um, All-knowing Wikipedia says that hope is an optimistic state of mind that's based on an expectation of positive outcomes with respect to events and circumstances in one's life or the world at large. Uh, the Cambridge Dictionary defines hope as to want something to happen or to be true and usually having a good reason to think that it might. And then Neil Burton, in an article on psychology today, he says this, hope is a, is a desire for something combined with an anticipation of it happening. It is, in other words, the anticipation of something desired. Now, I could have read a dozen more different definitions and how people describe what hope is, but whether it's the three that I just went through or any others that you find, there's two common themes, ideas that occur or come up when we talk about hope. In all of them, there is a looking forward. There's a looking beyond the moment that I'm in to what's to come. It's an anticipation for what's to come. It's a desire for the next chapter or even a desire of just knowing that there's more to the story, wanting to know how this story ends. There's a looking forward. So whenever we're talking about hope, we're taking the moment that we're in and looking ahead. But that's only half of it. The other side is, is that there's an anticipation that's typically fueled by something or grounded in something or someone. It's fueled by a specific outcome or it's fueled by the desire for a specific outcome. And so I'm looking ahead. I'm looking ahead from where I'm at, looking ahead for what's to come, what will happen, what would I like to see happen, and my anticipation of what could happen, of what will happen, is grounded in expectations of something happening, or it's grounded or fueled by somebody's ability to act. It's usually fueled by a specific outcome. I want some type of specific outcome to happen, or it's fueled or grounded in somebody's ability to act. And so, I hope it will snow by Christmas. After that, no more. But by Christmas, I hope it will snow. My hope is fueled, my anticipation is fueled by a desire for a specific outcome. I hope the Bears win today. My, now, no comments, I'm just making an illustration here. 
Hope is fueled by somebody's ability to do something. God help us. In both of those, I'm here and I'm looking ahead, anticipating either different outcome to a situation or I'm banking on what somebody can do or what something can do. In hope, I'm hoping for what's ahead. I'm hoping that this will happen. I'm hoping that somebody does this. And so within that, it's probably easy to see how hopelessness can set in. Because when we, get, we can get into moments where we can't see how things can be any different. Where we can't see what's ahead. Or we can't see a different picture of what's ahead. Or we can't see how anyone could do anything. Or would anybody want to do anything? And maybe that sense of feeling stuck, maybe that sense of not being able to see beyond the moment, maybe that's a work thing, maybe that's a family thing, maybe that's a, a school thing, maybe that's a dream thing, maybe, we don't, who knows what it is? Well, you know what it is. And I know what mine is. You might really be feeling it right now, you might not, but we all get into these moments at times where hopelessness is a real thing. Because we can't see beyond the now. And we can't see how anybody could do anything. And it's in those moments, in all the moments, that we need to be reminded of hope. And we need to be reminded that there is hope. And there's hope for all of us. And that's why Simeon's story is so important. Is it shows us where our hope is and reminds us that hope is possible. Again, his story started off with, now there was this man in Jerusalem called Simeon. Simon, Simeon, Simeon. And we're not told really anything else about him. Through the story, we can kind of speculate that he's probably a lot older. But beyond that, there's this guy named Simeon in Jerusalem. I mean, you could just easily say there's this guy in Chicago. Hey, there's this teacher. Hey, there's this guy in the office. Hey, there's this Uber driver. Hey, there's this student. Hey, there's this just regular person. But the one thing we are told about him, outside of the fact that he's this guy in Jerusalem, is that he's righteous and devout. He's righteous and devout. He loves God. He follows God. He wants his life to be in line with God. He wants his life to be honorable to God. This God thing isn't just a thing. It's a relationship. It's not just a hobby. It's not just a once in a while thing for him. It's something that he's dedicated to, committed to. The Lord is everything. He is devoted to the Lord. And that's the key. Simeon's hope is rooted, is grounded anticipates God. His hope is not in any mere person. His hope is not in himself. His hope is not in a situation or experience or anything. His hope is in God. His grip, his, his life grip is on God. He holds on to God for hope. And that's what we see in this story. We're going to see a couple things. First off, we see that hope is holding on to the sure work of God. Hope is holding on to the sure work of God. It said, there's a man named Simeon in Jerusalem called man in Jerusalem called Simeon. He was righteous and devout, and he was waiting for the consultation of Israel. 
and the Holy Spirit was on him. Now that phrase, he was waiting for the consultation of, of Israel, the consolation of Israel. The consolation, it kind of sounds like a, the little trophy, right? Like the second place, the ribbon, like didn't win, you're waiting, yeah, yeah, here's your participation thing. It kind of sounds like that, the good job ribbon type of a thing. But that's not what this is. That's not what he's waiting for. When it says that, it's talking about God's comfort for his people. Not comfort like rub their back or send flowers, but he's waiting for God to heal, to rescue. He's waiting for God to restore. And not just waiting for their comfort itself, but for the one who would bring it. Somebody is going to come and comfort us. Somebody's coming to rescue us. Somebody's coming to restore us. Simeon has echoes of the Old Testament prophet Isaiah in his mind who spoke about Messiah who would come to comfort, to rescue, to restore. Isaiah 40 says, Comfort, comfort my people, says your God. 57, I have seen his ways, but I will heal him. I will lead him and restore comfort to him and his mourners. And 51, I am he who comforts you. In Isaiah 66, as a mother comforts her child, so I will comfort you. And you will be comforted over Jerusalem. This is what Simeon's waiting for. God says that he's going to do this. He's waiting for the comfort and strength that's going to be brought by my Messiah showing up. And Simeon would have known when he's thinking about what God is talking about and what God's going to do. Simeon would have known the mighty works of God that God had done in their past. How God rescued Jerusalem, the Hebrews from Israel, excuse me, rescued Israel from Egypt while they were slaves in Egypt. He would have known how he provided for them and guided them and carried them through. And so Simeon is looking back at God's past work to remind it that God keeps working. Simeon's looking, holding on to what God has done to be reminded that God is still doing things, that God hasn't left him. That God has done this and he has not changed, he can do it again. He has said, I will comfort my people, God will comfort us. You and I need to hold on to who God is. Hold on to who he is, what he's done, and what he continues to do. We think about the things in our life. I think about my kids and their homework. Uh, my kids are 13 and 16 now, and as they've gotten older, helping them with their homework has changed. Um, when they were younger, I could help them with pretty much everything. You bring it, hey, dad's like, hey, dad knows that. Come here, bring it. Now, not so much. And so if they're doing, you know, literature, hey, I got you. History, got you. Math, ooh, what kind of math is it? Um, science, go talk to your mom. But then Bailey brings economics homework home. Duh. you need to call Ed, because I have no idea what this is. I just can't help you within this. And that's the reality, is that we get into situations we find ourselves in where we can't help ourselves. And we can't find anyone to help us. We realize that others can't help us at times, and we can't help ourselves, and we realize in those truths that we don't have what it takes, and other people don't have what it takes. And that shouldn't be a moment when those who are holding on to the reality of who God is, those moments shouldn't be moments that discourage us. Those are moments that should give us hope. 
because we realize in those moments that we remember that God is with us. And there isn't anything that we're going through that he can't handle. There isn't anything that we're going through that he is absent from. There isn't anything that we're going through that he doesn't care about. It doesn't matter how difficult the homework is. God knows the wisdom that we need. God knows how to help, navigate, help us navigate those things. He never promises us that it'll be easy. He never tells us that it won't be excruciatingly hard at times. He never tells us that we won't find ourselves in hopeless situations. But he does tell us that he is our hope in hopeless situations. Because he is the God who works. And he is the God who cares. And we can see evidence of that in the past to remind us that this is who he is now. Psalm 42 says, Why, my soul, are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God. And that's what Simeon was doing. And that's what you and I need to do. We need to put our hope not in ourselves, not in anyone, not in anything other than God. Put your hope in God. Hold on to the sure work of God and find hope in it. The second thing from his story is that hope is holding on to the trustworthy promises of God. Hope is holding on to the trustworthy promises of God. In 26 again, it had been revealed to Simeon by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. Simeon, the Messiah is coming, and you will see him in your lifetime. That was some, again, we don't have a verse for that. All we have is this report. The truth that God wanted us to know about Simeon's story is that however that went down, Simeon was told, you will see Messiah before you die. And through the, the, how we see this story, he's probably a little bit older. And does he, and again, we don't see, we don't see that a, emotional internal dialogue of what he was processing or anything. But he's as human as us, and I would imagine at different times it was probably pretty hard. As he's going through the difficulties of navigating neighbors or navigating family or navigating finances or navigating health or navigating getting older, navigating just sleeping wrong and his back hurting or whatever that might be, navigating life at times, it was probably really, really hard. But Simeon kept coming to the temple, and he kept hoping, and he kept anticipating. Why? Because God told him, you're not going to die until you see Messiah. Simeon believed these promises from God, even though it might have been hard. He held on to these. His faith was grounded. It was built upon those promises. Because that's the reality. Faith is never a blind leap. It's always towards something. And Simeon's, the object of Simeon's faith, the, uh, the reality, the basis of Simeon's hope was God and what he promised he would do. Now, there's times where, you know, we plan stuff or, hey, we're going to do this and things happen and our kids have said, but you promised. And we have to back up sometimes and go, I didn't actually use that word. <laughs> But mom and dad aren't always, can't always fulfill those promises. 
And you've had experiences where maybe the boss said that this was going to happen, or maybe you thought this was going to be the outcome, or you just assumed, well, this is what, how it was going to go down, but it doesn't happen. But when we're talking about God, when God tells us this is what's going to happen, this is what I promise, we can take it to the bank in confidence because he is a promise-keeping God. When it comes to the promises of God, we have better promises than Simeon. Simeon was strengthened by the Spirit's promise. You will not die until you hold Messiah. And then he held Messiah. And then that promise was over. We have different promises, and we should be strengthened by them. Jesus tells us, I go to prepare a place for you. Jesus says, I will be with you always. It says in the New Testament, there is laid up for me the crowns of righteousness. We have promises of who God is, that he will be with us, that he will guide us, that he will give us wisdom. Between now and the end of the words, we are strengthened by the joy day in and day out of the promises of God. Philippians 4 tells us, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. That's not a maybe. He tells us that in every situation that is difficult and horrible and hard and struggling and anxious, he says, don't entertain the anxiety, bring that to me. Come to me and I will give you peace beyond understanding. And we find ourselves in situations where we don't understand how we can have peace. And that's the exact type of peace God promises us. He doesn't tell us it still won't be hard. He doesn't tell us that it won't be painful. He doesn't tell us that it won't be challenging. But he tells us, I will give you peace in the midst of it. Another example, he says in 1 John 1, 9, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And so you know what that means? That means if you have messed up this week, if you've messed up in the last 24 hours, if you've messed up multiple times, you can bring those to Jesus. And God, forgive me. And you are forgiven. Yeah, but man, beyond this week, you don't know the stuff that I've done. All I know is that you can't top God's forgiveness. You might think your story is the one story. Yeah, I get what you're saying, but there's nothing you can fill in the blank after that but that will top God's forgiveness. Sure, that's a reality in our world today as far as people, whether they're in the church or out of the church, where, okay, this happened. All right, well, that's too much. But that's never a reality with God. There is nothing that we have done that is too big for the grace and mercy of God. And so if you look at your story and go, how could anyone forgive me? How could anyone love me? How could anyone take me or want me? God does. And he promises that. It says in 2 Peter, by his divine power, God has given us everything we need for living a godly life. We have received all of this by coming to know him the one who called us to himself by means of his marvelous glory and excellence. And because of his glory and excellence, he has given us great and precious promises. These are the promises that enable you to share his divine nature 
and escape the world's corruption caused by human desires. Knowing Jesus, understanding who he is, falling more in love with him, being devout like Simeon was, God gives us promises to guide us within that, to keep us from the world, to keep us from the desires of the culture and our human hearts, and to become more and more like him, to guide us and help us navigate what we're going through. The promises are there. Followers of Jesus have a better promise to live and live in and hope for, and it's Jesus. The challenging, haunting question for you and I is this, though. This is the biggest question you're going to get asked today. Do you think God's a liar? Do you think God's a liar? I mean, yeah, he says he'll forgive, but... Yeah, he says following him is better, but yes, he says he's always with me and never leaves me or forsakes me, but he says if we ask for wisdom, he'll give it, but do you think God is a liar? Because to doubt him, to not go with him, to do the opposite, to be disobedient, to not trust him is to say, no, I don't think, I don't believe you, God. Or I think I can come up with something better. Or I think they can do better than you can. Or this will help me more than you. And so in essence, we're saying God's a liar. And I just want to say nothing that you can point to and nothing that you can look to can top him. His love for you is beyond what you can comprehend. His wisdom is better than anything in this world. The joy that he wants to give to us goes beyond any circumstance we find ourselves in. The peace which he provides can go blanket any of the most difficult situations. And the hope that he wants us, that this is not the only chapter of your story, is something only he can promise. He is a promise-keeping God He is not a promise breaker. And you and I need to live that way. That's the reality of Simeon's example for us, is that may these promises not just be something that I have cognitively up here, but may they be part of who I am and I live in light of them. How would the situation you're in that you're navigating be different if you believed and trusted the reality of who God is and what he promises us? Rather than living, well, I mean, I don't think he's a liar. But is your lifestyle acting like, is your lifestyle reflecting that reality? But I just don't really feel it right now. I'm not asking how we feel. I'm asking what you believe is true. What is true? And the thing, I can't make you believe it. All I can tell you is my own experiences that I believe that there is a God and I've experienced the reality of him in my life. And in the most darkest of times and the most difficult of times when it just seemed like there was no way of getting beyond the current chapter, the current part of the story, because of him, the page got turned. And no, a lot of those chapters didn't kind of go the way I thought they were going to go, but now later on and looking back, 
they went exactly as they should have been. And even the moments where I chose my own adventure and went the other way, and man, the story got super jacked up, God turned a better story even from the part I screwed up. And so even though you might not feel it right now, believe it right now. He is there. He is real. He has promised us these things. And he is a promise-keeping God. And hope is holding on to our promise-keeping God. The last thing is hope is holding on to the praise-bringing salvation of God. Hope is holding on to the praise-bringing salvation of God. Verse 27, Moved by the Spirit, Simeon went into the temple courts. When the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him, but the custom of the law required, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised. Do you hear it? You did it. You did exactly what you said you would do. You may now dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all nations, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. Mary and Joseph marveled and what had been said about their baby. You really have to picture this. You have to imagine it. What the moment meant to Simeon to be this far along in his story, waiting for the Messiah his entire life, going through the ins and outs. Man, the different times of maybe seeing a kid and that not happening. Seeing somebody and thinking that might be him. Seeing something on the horizon and it didn't occur. But Okay, but God said that this specifically would happen. And years upon years of anticipating. And then the moment happens and this, he lives in the moment. Imagine just being there and seeing his face. Seeing his eyes and the look of joy on his face as he realizes, I am tangibly, tangibly holding the promise of God in my life. God blows away his expectations. He's not only seeing Messiah, he is holding Messiah. He isn't just shaking Messiah's hand or kneeling at his feet. He is cradling Messiah. He is holding Messiah's little cheek to his. The joy is overflowing and Simeon breaks out in him, in song. A song of joy, a song of thanks, a song of praise to God for how he acts and his promises of what he said he would do. Knowing you are dealing with a God who keeps his word brings joy, brings song, brings praise that bursts forth from us. He is the God who acts for his people. He is the God who saves and forgives, redeems and restores. He is the God who does all of this through Jesus. And because the baby is here, because Messiah has come, we can know the hope and joy and peace and healing and victory and purpose that were promised to Israel but are available to all people now. Kent Hughes says, True peace comes only when we, like Simeon, understand that salvation is Jesus Christ plus nothing, and rest our souls in him alone. And so the question we have to ask ourselves is, are we anticipating the Lord? Are we hoping in him? Are we experiencing the goodness of God, experiencing the, the promises of God to where our lives, even in the midst of tears, 
can sing praise? Have you been looking to something that's temporary rather than looking to God? Have you been looking to something that seems logical or that you can explain or you can control rather than looking to God? Have you been looking in the mirror rather than looking to God? Remember, Simeon sang the song to God, but the song was there for us that we would be reminded that it's only Jesus. That we would be reminded it's only him and what he has done and nothing that we can do. Only Jesus saves. Only Jesus gives life. We have to come to him like Simeon, receiving the promise, receiving Messiah, and holding on to him with everything that we are. Matthew 5 says, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. As we leave today, you think about this message of hope. I think about those stories of Twitch, and I think about just this narrative that we experienced Friday night with Jeremy Hansen, and think about others who would have a similar story. If you are in the midst of one of those difficulties, if you are in the midst of one of those valleys, if you're in the midst of one of those times where it doesn't seem like there is more to the story, where your hunger for life is just bland and your thirst for joy is just not there, hunger and thirst for the Lord. It's hard and it doesn't seem like it's worth it at times, but God is there and God is telling you, I want you. And I want you to keep going. And I want you to hunger and thirst for me because I will fill your heart with me. You need to keep going. It says in Psalm 34, The Lord is close to the brokenhearted. He rescues those whose spirits are crushed. God is with you. He isn't afar spectating. He isn't afar and completely separated, just sending messages He is with you. He is present. He is close to you. And he wants to rescue your crushed heart. You are not meant to go through life alone. You are not meant to go through life thinking that you are worthless and you're pointless and you have no purpose. Because God tells us that you are wonderfully and fearfully made. God tells us that he is with us. God tells us that he wants to have relationship with us. God tells us that his love for us is so immense that he sent his son so that we could have life because of his death. And so just know that even though you might not feel it today, and I understand the feelings immensely, I have been where you are at. Keep going. Keep going. And if you are in the midst of one of those situations, please, please, please know that we don't want you to go through that alone. This, we don't want you to experience that alone in this place. And so whether that means coming up and letting me know or somebody with a lanyard or putting on the card, hey, just would like to connect with somebody or can you pray for me? We want this to be a safe place where people know that they can express the things that they're going through and be honest about their struggles and their doubts and their, their sins and their failings and the things that are hurting and whatever it is. And knowing that there's people as broken and you are in here that will put their arms around you and say, I am here and God is too and we're going to get through this. You might not have the answers for your specific situations, but we can walk with you as we find them. So just know, keep going, keep going, keep 
going. Don't stop. Don't give up. Because God is offering you hope. God is offering you joy and peace. There is more than the chapter you find yourself in. And the story that God is writing is amazing. The ending is sure. And he wants you to be a part of that. He wants you to be a part of that. There is more for your story. You need to find it in Jesus. Let's pray together. God, we thank you so much for the, your immense love that you have for us. We pray, God, I think, thank you for everybody that's here. I thank you for those who are listening at home. Whatever you, we might be, we, maybe somebody's going to listen to this later today in weeks, weeks ahead. God, I pray you would draw us to you. I pray you would give us strength and courage to keep going. I pray you would give us words when we don't have any to articulate our experiences. I pray that you would give us openness to be able to share with somebody what we're going through. I pray you bring people around us to bring comfort and encouragement and remind us of what's true. God, I thank you so much for your death on the cross by which we have life, that we have forgiveness of sins and we have new existence and new identity and new life. God, I pray that you would remind us of the hope that we have in you. That's in your name we pray. Amen. Will you stand with us? We're going to close.